Hello, I'm Anita Kemp, Case Manager at Dental Protection. Welcome to Viscrites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Viscrites looks at key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and quality dental care for your patients. I'm so pleased to be sharing with you something that I believe will be very helpful to so many of our colleagues. In this edition, Dr. Annalene Weston and I are going to talk about proactive resilience. Annalene, before we dive deeper into this issue, can I start off by asking what is resilience? Sure, Anita. Well, it depends on the context. So in the sense that we're considering, which is the context of emotional or mental resilience, a simple definition such as the capacity or ability to recover from difficulties would be fitting. What then is proactive resilience? Well, simply put, proactive resilience are the steps that we take to develop or deepen or embed our mental and emotional capacity to recover before this resilience or ability to recover is actually needed. This development of strategies to enable resilience to be readily on tap or second nature when we actually need it has more recently been characterized as pro-resilience. I think I can see where you're going with this, Annalene. In times of COVID-19, we must surely need an abundance of resilience more than at other times. An abundance indeed. COVID-19 has been a marathon, not a sprint, a seemingly endless cacophony of Herculean tasks with no fixed sight and end. 2020 brought with it challenges that none of us foresaw. 2021 has brought with it fresh challenges and issues. The impacts on our personal and professional lives are far-reaching and varied, and it's unlikely any of us has had the identical experience. The divisive nature of COVID-19 and the decisions our state and federal governments have made has further compounded the difficulty of this time. In considering the best way to aid listeners in developing tools for resilience, I've sought information from a broad range of sources, and one paper that really resonated with me stated that most clinicians are experiencing one or more of the following at this time, those being grief, fear, and anger. This is magnified by the pervasive sense that clinicians are perpetually selfless, working through their own sickness and ignoring their own needs. While in the past, this unrealistic expectation upon clinicians did exist, with the passage of time and an increased acknowledgement that we're human first and clinicians second, it has largely dissipated. And this has come with a greater understanding that self-care is critical. After all, if we're unwell ourselves, how can we care for others? Do you think that cultural or institutional changes have helped with this? Oh, absolutely. Although many would argue very persuasively that the shift has not yet gone far enough. Many institutions are placing the emphasis of self-care on the individual and in doing so making it yet another burdensome task and one that can, we can all be perceived as failing at. But yes, the changes in thinking need to happen at an institutional level for individuals to be able to enact them. Should we consider these institutional changes to support resilience first? Certainly, and there's been plenty of research in this field, and I'll include some links in the speaker notes. Broadly, if organisations positively influence one or more of the following, they can proactively influence the well-being of their staff and assist in the creation of prosilience. The factors are workload, autonomy, values, community, reward and recognition, and fairness. These are all quite big ticket items and each contains a lot to consider. Yeah, they are. And I think that as a practice principal or senior manager, it can be incredibly helpful 
to be mindful of these and what each really means to your individual staff, bearing in mind it will likely vary between individuals. That said, I would emphasize you should never underestimate the importance of creating a sense of community in a workplace, specifically one where the members feel safe. And by safe, you mean a physical safe place? So in a workplace health and safety way? Oh, partially. But if you unpack that for a moment, many people do not feel physically safe in their environment at the moment with clinicians fearing contracting COVID-19 and the consequences for their health and their business. And also commonly, this is accompanied with the fear of passing COVID-19 on to their patients or their families. Naturally, there is some guidance regarding steps we can take to safeguard against this. Yeah, there is. And I'd encourage people to be familiar with the recommendations from tried, true and tested resources. But workplace safety is also both simpler and more complex because staff within your practice also need to feel psychologically safe. And by this you mean? I mean that people need to feel safe from bullying and harassment, but also know in the simplest terms that their team have their back and they will be heard if they voice their concerns and not be judged for the way they feel. Some people will not feel safe at work at this time. A good leader will listen to their reasons why. So organisations can assist with the development of pro-resilience in their staff by simply listening? Absolutely. And I know if I will be listened to without judgment and truly heard, then I feel safer at work because I know I can meaningfully raise my concerns. And look, I know this sounds simplistic, but I would ask the leaders and the managers out there to reflect if they are truly listening to concerns raised by their teams or are they just falling into the oh-so-common trap of actually telling them how they feel? An interesting question to reflect on. I am intrigued to also know what steps we take as individuals to invest in our pro-resilience. So some of these mirror our burnout strategies, such as identifying and using your third space. We have a podcast on that, don't we, Annalene? Yes, we do. And I want to consider some other strategies today. The first one being starting to develop some rituals. Now, these rituals can be small or large, related to work or related to home. It doesn't matter. The studies overwhelmingly demonstrate that having personal rituals is protective for both mental and emotional health. Can you give me some examples? I can. And the example that springs immediately to mind is the very simple ritual for health that we all have, which is leaving our toothbrush, usually in view, by the bathroom sink, which reminds us to brush our teeth. Rituals focused on creating prosilience could include the incorporation of regular exercise or movement into our day, ensuring dedicated time to do something you love, like reading or playing the guitar, having a morning coffee. It doesn't matter what it is. The point is to have a ritual meaningful to you, preferably that benefits your health, or is at least not detrimental, as this has a stabilizing effect supporting mental and emotional health and resilience. Sounds great. Do you have any more? I do. And the next one has been incredibly helpful to me personally, as I'm someone who suffers with anxiety, and that is reframing. Now, reframing is commonly used in cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's achieved by shifting your perspective of events. For example, instead of focusing on the one filling that's failed, remembering the fact that thousands of your other fillings have been successful is very basic reframing. Reframing your thoughts and beliefs in this difficult time where so many people are holding divergent and diversive views can be a very helpful strategy in protecting your emotional and mental health and ensuring a less anxious or reactive, for want of a better word, reaction. If you're able to reframe your thoughts when challenged with something difficult and new, you would be better able to manage how this makes you feel. I can see how this would be helpful if you had a tendency towards anxiety, but also helpful to anyone, particularly when faced with something challenging. 
Yeah, it really is. And in anxious times, it has value to all, as does filtering. What do you mean by that? Filtering is simply considering the sources of information you're exposed to. Firstly, are you being constantly bombarded by headlines, which respectfully may be a sensationalized version of the actual facts? Ask yourself, do you need to know this immediately or repeatedly? Do you need to listen to or read the news between every patient? Is this helping you, Anita, or harming you? The same would apply to social media. Absolutely, it would. People often take breaks from social media for their mental health. Consider the input you're receiving. When, where, and how much. Do you need it? Do you want it? Would limiting or filtering some of these sources actually be of benefit to you? Ritual, reframe, and filter. Listen without judgment. I think we all could implement these into our lives today. We certainly could. And I'd just add one more that strengthens our resilience and makes our workplaces safer, and that is civility. Treating our colleagues and co-workers, our patients, our family and our friends with courteous civility and respect assists in our sense of safety, our resilience and helps develop prosilience, remembering that proactive resilience is having that resilience on tap, ready for when you need it. I've definitely seen an experience in civility in these times of COVID-19. Me too. And let's be honest, it's not helping, is it? I come a full circle. This is a marathon, not a sprint, and we can't keep living on adrenaline. I'd encourage everyone to consider these strategies and just try one thing. So I'm going to ask you, Anita, what's your one thing going to be? Listen without judgment. That sounds like an absolute beauty. Thank you, Annaline, for the relevant and helpful content, and thank you for listening. We hope that this podcast was helpful to you and look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protections podcast and would like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.